I see 5G as a game changer. It complements other technologies and what they're able to do. AI, edge computing, IoT. 5G is going to enable, you know, potentially enable new use cases in finance and other industries that we've never seen before. Uh, you know, let's think about a few potential uh, use cases and, and future solutions in 5G. Welcome to another Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. And today in the studio, I have with me Renee Dufresne. Renee is the General Manager of Financial Solutions at AT&T Business. Renee, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Des, thank you so much for this opportunity. Happy to be here. Now, I have it on good authority. This is your first podcast, so I'm most honored to have you on the show. It's awesome to have you here. Yes, sir. It is my first podcast, and I'm excited. Excellent. Now, I really want to get into a couple of things with you in detail, particularly uh, just what a day in the life of the general manager of financial solutions at AT&T Business is like. But before we do that, uh, I hope you don't mind. But one of the things I often ask my guests to do is just to give us a little insight into you personally, just so our audience listening gets a sense of who you are and where you're from and how you came to this exciting role. I wonder if you'd mind just taking a minute or so telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up, any uh, academic and professional uh, career path highlights that you thought you might be able to share with us? Oh, absolutely. So I, I grew up in Lafitte, Louisiana, which is a small fishing community about 20 miles south of New Orleans. Wow. Uh, most of my family still live there. You know, it's a wonderful place, a uh, lot of outdoors living and, uh, you know, great, great camp, uh, caring, family oriented uh, people in South Louisiana. I was very fortunate to have been raised there. Amazing little spot. Um, are you a fisherman yourself? Did, having grown up in a fishing area, did you uh, tend to like throwing a rod in the water and hauling fish out? I did a little. I, I, I would have to admit that uh, uh, nearly all my relatives and, and family and friends down there are much more talented than I am at actually fishing. And uh, many of them are hunters. I, 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 I didn't do that as well. So I'm probably a poor representative of the Cajun community, but uh, uh, it, I did I did partake, though, in uh, when I, during my teen years, uh, I spent a lot of summers in the shrimping industry, working on shrimp boats, uh, really helped pay my way through college. Uh, you know, we shrimped in the Gulf of Mexico, as well as lakes uh, near my hometown. So I, I, I'm thinking I may be your first podcast guest who worked on a shrimp boat. Maybe, maybe not. Absolutely, you are. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies with the, the Bubba Shrimp uh, Company. And, uh, and I'm a big fan of food from your area, by the way. In fact, I was uh, in Orlando recently um, uh, with uh, your crew at AT&T Business with the uh, Health Information System Summit and uh, hunted down some local Cajun food. And uh, I think I ate till my belly exploded. <laughs> uh, we are very proud of our food, and uh, I can tell you what: at the end of the day of working on a, uh, on a shrimp boat, you were very happy to come home and uh, and take a nice shower, uh, and then eat some great food. So it, it was uh, a, a, a fun time, and uh, I got to experience it, and uh, very appreciative and and fortunate. It was able to help me uh, earn enough money to uh, to get through college. Fantastic. Well, indeed, you are the very first shrimp boater on the show. I'm excited to hear that. 
Now, uh, I was hoping that was the case. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how did you come to, to get into this role as a general manager of financial services at AT&T Business? I mean, that's a huge remit and a, and a very broad portfolio. You must have had an interesting, uh, uh, I guess, uh, a journey to sort of get to this particular role. I did. I, you know, I started off uh, my career uh, writing software. Uh, I worked for initially for a defense contractor and then moved into the telecom space. So basically writing software for, you know, very complex systems. My education is in mathematics and software engineering. Okay. I, I must admit, guys, my, my skills in, in writing software are a little rusty now, unfortunately. But uh, that gave me a good, uh, good opportunity to, and a good foundation to move into the next stage of my career, which was around business and solution development. And that's really where I started to work with financial institutions, you know, helping uh, design and put together uh, highly resilient uh, and highly secure uh, solutions for that community. Uh, I, I worked in global alliances, led a couple of global alliances teams at a couple of companies that I worked at, had the opportunity to travel around the world, primarily uh, North America as well as Europe, and, and, uh, and then joined AT&T about six years ago, uh, got the, the chance to lead the development of a new cloud networking solution, did that for about three years and interviewed for this job and, and uh, you know, uh, been working here for a couple of years and uh, really love it. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like a perfect pedigree for this challenge because uh, I often find that folk have come into uh, the business world from a slightly technical or engineering or, in your case, software development space have a, a better appreciation for kind of what's behind the flashing lights than uh, if you've just come in from a direct MBA model. Um, particularly now, as you highlighted, that some of these things are, you know, focused on cloud and and uh, we don't necessarily have uh, routers and switches and servers just stacked up anymore with dedicated software. It's all very software-defined and things move quickly. Um, and I love to hear that you've traveled around the world because it also gives us a much better view of, the, of what's happening on a global scale. So I'm keen to learn what's a day in the life in the general manager of financial services at AT&T Business like? Because as I said before, it sounds like a very broad remit in a large portfolio for an extremely critical industry. Uh, what are the, the regular sorts of things that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis in your role uh, as far as GM, the FSI, oh, AT&T? Yeah, happy to share a few. And, and I can honestly say every day is different. Uh, you know, I could be meeting with you know, industry analyst to get a better view of, of some of the in, uh, trends that are shaping the industry. That could be across any of the sub-verticals that we support. Uh, think retail banking, insurance, payments, wealth management. Working with my team, I have a great team. Uh, working with them to help translate some of those trends into an AT&T value prop working with our product and integration resources to ultimately map that in and correlate that to solutions that we could bring to help address some of these trends and challenges that our customers may be facing. Uh, then, I, then I make a work with my, my sales community. We have uh, an excellent group of uh, sellers that support our clients that have built you know, strong relationships they really understand the space. They're very focused. They understand the language of the customer, and they're very familiar with these solutions. And I'll provide them with materials, work with them, me and my team, to present to their clients, some cases on the road, other cases in our executive briefing center. 
uh, are, are, will help develop materials for our sellers so they have the tools that they need to be successful. Could be uh, attending an industry event. That's a great time to meet with your clients, but also learn. Uh, I, I try to attend as many of the presentations as I can. Uh, and some days I'm spending time working on thought leadership pieces or a member of my team is working on a thought leadership piece. You know, it could be on a topic like 5G or IoT or the digital experience. Uh, so very multifaceted role, very broad, uh, as you described it. Uh, a little bit of everything, all with the goal of helping, better helping our customers uh, address the trends and challenges that they face. Wow. Well, I, that, that confirms what I thought because, uh, I mean, this is a massive industry and, and, and the, the industry is under a lot of pressure in, in some ways good and some ways bad. And that is a, uh, there's a lot of competition now. We see, you know, we see a lot of this thing where, uh, you know, fintech, everything gets tech out of the end. But fintech is such a broad thing now that's, uh, I guess, challenging some parts of the FSI space. But also consumers. You know, a lot of times I, when I'm talking to people in their boardrooms and they tell me their, their biggest challenges these days and the biggest disruptors are not actually their competitors, but their consumers, their customers that are asking and demanding for more things. I mean, that you talked about trends in the industry, and, and I'm keen to get your insights onto that. I mean, currently, with, with your global view of this whole thing uh, in your role as GM for FSI at AT&T Business, I mean, what are some of the trends in the industry that excite you the most that you're seeing coming about? Uh, and, and offsetting that, uh, what are the most ch- challenging things that uh, your customers in the industry are facing at the moment in your view? Yeah, so one of the things I'll touch on something that you just brought up, an interesting point. You know, consumers' behavior has changed over the past few years, and and that's really, you know, changing as a result of some of the fintechs that are emerging. But I think even more importantly, consumer expectations and behaviors are changing uh, due to their experiences in other industries. So what you and I, tools you and I, or apps you or I may use in, let's say, retail uh, really kind of influence our expectations, change our expectations for when we want to deal with and how we want to engage our financial institutions. And so when you look at some of the key trends, you know, uh, small and large, uh, small to large uh, financial institutions are all undergoing the digital transformation. And they're all at various stages. And I see a lot of focus on enhancing the consumer experience, whether the consumer is in branch or in an office, online, dealing with a mobile app, or working with the financial institution's contact center. And so that really excites me. It excites me as a technologist because so much so much technology is being utilized along that journey. And think about like within a branch or office, a company may be using uh, digital signage or Wi-Fi or iBeacons or collaboration tools to digitize that physical environment. And then that may lead to need for software-defined networking to provide high performance for the applications and the systems that are now running in that branch or office. And, and then contact centers are being transformed. You and I, other consumers, we want to engage the financial institutions through social, through texting, as well as through uh, voice. And, and so that's another aspect of it that's uh, really transforming. And so all that stuff is happening. So it, it excites me as a technologist. And of course, it all has to be wrapped in a security blanket. 
And, and then when I think about it as a consumer, it's great to actually see that technology come to life. You know, so when I engage the financial institutions that, that uh, I use, you know, know that there's auto, artificial intelligence that's being utilized to make my experience better and more efficient and more mobile. I remember. I, I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask you a question. I remember seeing a story come out. I think it was uh, last year, in fact, that you did this very thing with, uh, I think it was Citizens Bank, and they went through this whole digital transformation. And some of the stuff you're talking about with that whole personalized consumer experience, uh, they did some amazing stuff in bank. Um, but the scale blew my mind. I think it was from memory, it was like 1,100 branches nationally. Uh, and I just remember reading this thing, and you just reminded me then when you're talking about that consumer experience piece. Sorry to jump in, but... Um, I mean, it seems to me that, that AT&T is one of the few people in AT&T business in particular that could cope with that scale of transformation. But uh, sorry to cut in there, which it jumped into my mind. It was like such a massive scale this transformation took place on in, in a short period of time that it just it, it's one of these things that stuck with me that, that that's not a case that you're talking about future vision. You've already done this. This is something you've done multiple times and you're doing on a daily basis now. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you hit on a couple of key points. Transforming, transformation occurring at scale is difficult. Uh, you know, just in this, this uh, brief conversation, we've identified many different types of technologies that are all part of solutions like the one you referenced. And, and to be able to do that in, you know, one or two or three sites is interesting to be able to do that with, you know, tens, hundreds, thousands of locations, and to be able to support, think about um, how many mobility clients uh, some of our, our larger financial institutions have. They service, you know, millions of customers, and to be able to provide them solutions that their end consumers could utilize and, and continue to have a highly secure experience and one that's high performing. So that's a, that's a great example, and that kind of points to the second part of your question, which is, is really about some of the challenges that some of the more challenging trends that our financial institutions face. I think, I think being able to integrate at scale is one. Uh, I think of a, a precursor to that is uh, modernizing their core financial systems. You know, uh, some some financial institutions have been around for a long, long time. In some cases, over a hundred years. That's amazing to think about, and and the systems that they have been utilizing to service the, their customers uh, have been working fine for, for decades. And now, in order to provide a more, uh, an enhanced experience, I should say, to the consumer, uh, they're modernizing, if you will, these core systems. And that requires them to kind of rewrite the software, uh, re-architect the infrastructure, move some of these workloads into public or private clouds, do all of this in a highly secure manner, rethink maybe their data center strategy. Uh, and, and so that's what I see is, you know, our customers are undergoing, I, I call it a multi-year journey in some cases. If you've had systems that have been around servicing your consumers and for, for decades, it's probably going to take you a little bit of time to rework that and enable provide that multi-channel experience that we all desire now as consumers. We want to be able to go, in branch, then maybe do some research online or make a decision uh, by call, reaching out to a contact center. And, and we want all of that. Our expectation is that all of that will happen in a seamless manner. 
Yeah, I fall into that category. I hate to say it, but I um, uh, I remember the very first uh, sort of digital bank, as it were, uh, appearing in Australia. It was called Advanced Bank, I think it was from memory. Uh, and the day they opened, I was one of the people lined up demanding an FPOS card that could work anywhere in Australia. It used to be you'd have to go to the particular branch you banked with to get money out because uh, they didn't have systems that were connected, as it were, at the time, And uh, although that ages me. And so, uh, you know, if you wanted to travel interstate, you had to carry cash uh, or use a checkbook and they had to ring up. And I remember... You know, FPOS cards is a thing coming along thinking, this is brilliant, I'll grab it. Um, but it's interesting, there are a couple of key points there that I just want to highlight. You know, the scale and speed and breadth of which these financial services players are being challenged with. You, know, you highlighted that they've got that, that difference between, I guess, the transactional and, and financial services platforms that, that deal with the money side, but also traditional enterprise systems, you know, everything from mail systems, you know, I mean, Banks are being disrupted by the fact that uh, they might have run mail service internally, and now if they're uh, using a particular platform that we won't name because they don't need any free advertising, they're they're an entirely cloud platform. They have no choice. They can't not use the cloud version because it's the only version of software that's available and it's pervasive. Uh, and when we're talking off uh, air earlier, uh, I mentioned that I'd had sort of a couple of decades myself in the banking space, and, and you reminded me that one of the banks I dealt with had 72 different systems that they had to manage just in our wow. financial services. That's before they talked about some of their basic enterprise stuff like storage and backups and security and firewalls and so forth. There's this interesting thing that I'm seeing now, um, and it's been, I guess, discussed in the form of a disconnect or a gap in a sense in the, in the media as a whole. But in the conversations I'm hearing, there's this challenge that you talk about between sort of the traditional IT space uh, and line of business challenges in this whole digital transformation versus the, the frontline stuff that whether it's a bank or wealth management or asset management financial services provider or even some of the small lenders. Um, I'd, I'd be keen to get your view on where this sort of you know, perceived or, or even is it a thing? Is there a disconnect and a gap between sort of the traditional uh, IT space and the line of business and the financial services part of the organizations from this whole you know, digital transformation challenge and, and where some of those priorities should be in your view? What should people be focusing on? Well, I, I, I would say that lines of business and IT are better aligned than they've ever been before. You know, if you go to like a finance industry event, which I went to several, I had the pleasure of going to several last year, it's a key topic of conversation of how lines of business, IT uh, need to be organized, for example, to ensure that the business priorities are, are met. And so we, you know, we talked about enhancing the consumer experience, whether in branch or online, it, you know, that involves a lot of different uh, people who with, with, with different skill sets. It's a combination of branch operations, uh, marketing, people are trying to market the financial services products, uh, as well as IT and security personnel. And, and so one of the things that you, not only is it a hot topic, but you're seeing Digital experience professionals being inserted inserted into the, the product lifecycle. And, and so organization structures have changed across financial institutions. And, and, and one of the benefits is actually uh, decreasing that gap and getting people aligned on priorities. So we're seeing when we host customers in our executive briefing centers or we meet customers at event, uh, I'm sorry, at their, their um, facility, yeah. 
or at events actually, we'll see that there's you know a combination of lines of business and IT being uh, at, at the same table at the same time versus maybe a few years ago, not just in finance, but in other industries, I think you were more likely as a you know a company providing technical services to to meet with IT, and and so that there was a little bit of a distance between uh, the lines of business. But 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 again, I, I kind of see it kind of folding in together where you're getting the requirements from both the business side and IT uh, in parallel, which is a great thing for all of us. Absolutely, and and uh, one of the things that you reminded me there of is that I'm seeing a lot of people talk about this whole thing of. Uh, customer experience and, and user experience, but it, I see a lot of uh, commentary now in the media around this whole thing of the customer journey, you know, sort of from the very first time you deal with an organization, you have to actually sign up for something, whether it's in paper form or online, all the way through to just being a day-to-day transaction. Um, and one of the things that jumped out was that, um, that you know, people thought everything was going online and that the branches would die and we'd just be stuck with ATMs in random places or petrol stations or service stations. But the data seems to indicate that, that branches are not going away. And I remember meeting, reading something on your um, uh, AT&T Business uh, Financial Services portal online on your website. Uh, and there was a great uh, insight there to the fact that uh, you're finding that the whole uh, branch concept is not going away. It's merely transforming and shifting to meet slightly different demands and people just walking in and slapping a, a check down and, and requesting cash. That they're becoming more multi-service type uh, uh, touch points for the user experience. Um, are you seeing that these organizations are asking you now to help them map that user journey and, and look at, uh, I guess, retasking some of the infrastructure they've got to add a lot more to the service types and the user experience that they've got uh, beyond the sort of just walking in and slapping down a credit card or a, a check and just saying, give me some cash? Are they becoming multifunction centers that are beyond the traditional sort of banking experience or financial services experience? Yeah, it, 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 they are transforming, right? And it, and 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 I think that uh, the the ideal model for a financial institution that has a uh, a branch or an office is that when you or I or consumers go in, we're able to obtain you know self service type capabilities, whether that's through you know ATMs or digital signage, and and we're less likely to go up and and request help for very transactional pieces of the business. And that enables the financial institution to better leverage that real estate, if you will, to provide a different set of services where we might actually need more help, let's say with, you know, uh, a loan or with, uh, you know, purchasing a CD or, uh, you know, meeting with a wealth advisor. And so, you know, and, and then if you think about it, right, it's the, the physical structure of that branch needs to um, be redesigned in some cases, right? And there are different offices. There's, uh, you know, you, you and I may be able to go into a little private area and provide a self-service where we maybe can connect back to a subject matter expert that might be in, in, in headquarters uh, and get just the right, just personalized information just for what we need if we choose to actually connect to someone. Otherwise, we may be able to, you know, identify what we need through digital signage, touchscreen, get what we need and, and, and leave. So it's, uh, it, it's a big transformation. It does take time. But, uh, you, you, you know, I notice it when I walk into financial institutions that, you know, I get to see it. And, and uh, it's, it's very exciting. It, it enables us to, you know, have that human touch when, when we need to actually speak with a human advisor, but also to be able to provide, you know, self-services. 
Absolutely. I, I, I had the experience of going to my own bank recently, bizarrely enough, because uh, I, uh, I thought I'd lost, but it turns out I just dropped it down the side of the seat in the car. I thought I'd lost my credit card, so I wandered in. I actually had the uh, Apple Store experience where um, I, I couldn't remember the last time I'd been to the to the branch in the bank recently here in Sydney, and uh, I walked in, and, and, and none of those little cubicles with the, uh, the gun-proof uh, windows and so forth that the tellers behind it looking nervous were there. Uh, it was just a big open floor and uh, little benches. It, it, it was literally the, the sort of the, the takeaway store, Apple store experience and people wandered around with tablets and uh, someone just casually walked up to me and asked if they could help and I, I was still catching my breath and between that and, and then they actually did replace the card and the stupid lad found it on the way home of all things. Um, and I walked away thinking, wow, that was not a banking experience. That was just a lifestyle experience. And uh, it almost tempted me to, to go back. One of the things that I see in this whole challenge is that the, the um, pace of change, the speed of change that the whole financial services industry sector is, is being challenged with. And, and you know, when we look at sort of the non-FSI space, we look at some of the startups, we look at uh, more agile organizations, They've been going through this whole digital transformation, dealing with the, the sort of the, the cloud natives of, of the millennials through to the, the, the older generations. And I think they're challenged with like five generations now, so sort of the boomers and the Gen X and the millennials and the Gen Zs and the Gen Ys. Um, this, the speed of change, the, race, the rate of change they're, they're being uh, required to keep up with, as you said before, with the traditional IT infrastructure, but also the, the, the financial services infrastructure, do you think it's feasible at the moment for a bunch of reasons, particularly security and compliance, that the whole FSI space can follow the likes of, say, Silicon Valley's model, uh, particularly this fast-to-market concept where you know, we see the fail, fail fast, adoption of cloud technologies, particularly the, the likes of what AT&T Business is bringing about now and some of the other things that are, are available to, to organizations, particularly enterprise, where they can, they can move quickly, move faster, they can deploy new services. I mean, is it realistic and feasible for the, for, for the FSI space to follow that Silicon Valley model, uh, given they've got a whole bunch of security and compliance and governance challenges that other industries don't have to uh, adhere to? I, I think to a degree it's, it's feasible. I, I, you know, if you think about, like, uh, let's say a, a different industry, let's, let's go back to retail. If, if a breach were to happen, you or I might be more forgiving uh, you know, over time, if a breach were to happen with your financial institution, it's going to take you a while to recover. So I think that, you know, we are certainly seeing technology really enabling financial institutions to move faster than they ever before. You know, we talked about a few earlier, artificial intelligence, cloud, uh, SDN, software-defined networking, and those are enablers. And, and, and we're seeing financial institutions be very, very hungry to, to learn more about the technology, to, to dive deep into it, and to innovate. You know, we have a, an AT&T foundry, which, is, which are our innovation centers. And we're having more and more financial institutions come to talk to us about, you know, things that they're doing, uh, things where they're being innovative. You'll see financial institutions having innovation centers of their own. And, and so I do believe there's that desire to move more quickly. But for all the reasons you mentioned, as about, you know, security and compliance, they have to do so where they can maintain a high standard for security, adherence to the compliance and regulations that are out there, and, and to ensure and provide as much trust as possible to their consumer base. 
So yes, innovate, they're innovating, they're moving faster, and they're doing so with caution, making sure that they're, uh, they're aligned to uh, their, their high standards. It must be an exciting time for them, and uh, I can imagine that uh, there's probably been a shift uh, of cultural behavioral experience that you've seen dealing with the clients and the customers you've got, uh, both existing customers, I imagine, and, and also new and emerging customers, because I get the sense that organizations will be coming to you now looking for that support and help to innovate at the pace they have to because of various, uh, you know, I guess, market forces and pressures and also disruption from their consumers in many ways. Um, I do love your foundries. I, I love the idea that uh, when, when I had the opportunity to visit a couple of myself, that new ideas are forged in the foundry. I just love that. It's got to go on a T-shirt somewhere. But you've got so many partners that are in your foundries uh, in, in various senses, from the mobile device manufacturers to the uh, carrier and operator partners that, that make sort of various devices that help you, f- you know, build the foundational component of your network, all the way through to the I guess the integration security and other bits and pieces. I, I imagine there's a, a good experience for some of your customers to go through that foundry experience and, and sort of get those insights. So they probably can't get anywhere else. Is that, that fair to say? I, I think so. It's, it's, you know, if you think about it, it, and you mentioned some of the devices, and, you know, it, think about devices that you could put, like, in a branch or in an office just to help you automate things that, you know, uh, people who operate those branches or offices deal with, every day in, in a more simplified fashion. And we could have financial institutions and other industries come in and kind of chat with us about some of the things that are routine for them and then innovate on a way to make that much more efficient. And that saves time out of their day for them to spend more time with their customers. Uh, so that's just one simple example. But I think it's a, a, a unique offer. And you know, we, like I mentioned earlier, we'll, we'll work with clients in their own innovation centers where possible. And we love them coming to the AT&T Foundry. And we typically make it uh, part of our executive briefing engagement. Uh, and, and we'll break away for a bit and go visit a foundry like you have, does, and get to see the technology, just, just seeing different applications, even if it's in a different uh, vertical or, or industry, uh, can spawn up new ideas and new innovations in itself about how that might apply to finance. Yeah, it's very, it's funny, isn't it? We uh, we're very tangible uh, animals as humans, still that uh, uh, or tactile, I should say. Sorry, but um, that uh, you know you, you can theorize uh, as much as you want in, in a meeting room with a whiteboard. Uh, you know, my my favorite thing is you know, people get me to go in and say, you know, here's a whiteboard market, perform Jedi mind tricks with it, and teach us everything we need to know. And I, <laughs> I sort of look at them and say, well, I can do a certain amount, but how about we all jump in a taxi and and you know, in your case, uh, uh, zip down to the foundry and see what we're forging you. And it, it completely changes their experience of, of, of getting access to and learning about stuff. And that's definitely been my experience with, with my couple of opportunities to go through your foundries. Uh, and, and you've got a multiple uh, experience opportunity because I know you've got them across various industry sectors. So I guess that's an exciting thing that you don't just take them to the centers of excellence just purely for FSI, but other spaces where they might think about IoT and cloud and big data and analytics and AI and, and learn about machine learning, other things. Um, there's one big one, though, uh, that I'd love to, uh, to delve into, if you don't mind. That's 5G. Now, you know, there's a mm-hmm. he- heck of a lot of hype about 5G, and, and I have the privilege of being at the front line of this with a number of uh, other uh, organizations I had the privilege of working with uh, and, and yourselves at AT&T and AT&T Business. Um, you know, the general sense is 5G is not just another G, as they say. It's like, you know, the transition from 3G to 4 and onwards. Uh, we sort of went from voice to data and data to slightly more... Uh, capable devices, and then, you know, smartphones came along. But 5G is being uh, hyped a lot in the media. But when you strip all the hype away, 
it seems to me that it, it is an enormous opportunity for, for the opportunity to change the game completely and, and, and in many ways accelerate um, uh, adoption of various things with, with different types of services. So, you know, more bandwidth going to the devices and different types of devices from smarter ways to talk to us on smartphones when we're running around in mobile worlds, uh, better ways to talk to us in, in cars and particularly, I guess, in the, in the short to medium term, potentially autonomous vehicles, which is an interesting thing. Um, we've now got Wi-Fi and aeroplanes, so I could potentially be talking on video to, to my wealth management or asset management or investment manager on a plane, for goodness sake, although I tend to like hide. But beyond the hype, <laughs> you know, I like to hide. When I'm at 42,000 feet doing 1,000 kilometers an hour, I like to stay away from people. But beyond all that hype, I mean, it's exciting to hear the hype and, and read the magazines and see the websites and talk about it and, and, and on TV and radio. But beyond all that hype, I mean, you're at the bleeding edge of all this. You are literally a, a combination of, of your job and, and general manager of FSI at at t Business, but also in one of the largest companies in the world that are in this space as a carrier and operator. Um, 5G is a topic. Do you see it as a game changer for, for the financial services industry or as an accelerator or something else? Uh, where does 5G fit into this? I mean, it's a massive topic, but what are so, so a couple of the things that you see 5G bringing to this whole space of FSI? Is it, is it an enabler? Is it a challenge? What are your thoughts? I see 5G as a game changer. It complements other technologies and what they're able to do. AI edge computing, IoT, 5G is going to enable, you know, potentially enable new use cases in finance and other industries that we've never seen before. Uh, you know, let's think about a few potential uh, use cases and, and future solutions in 5G. Uh, you know, mobile finance centers in densely populated areas. Let's say um, a, a, a full service financial center that's available at a concert with 100,000 people or a football or baseball game, being able to provide a full suite of services, have uh, you know, digital signage, Wi-Fi, you know, interactive ATMs with video, uh, all being powered in an untethered form by 5G. Uh, you know, I, I think of when, you know, uh, mobile workers, you know, let's think of an industry in finance, uh, insurance has, has, has a lot of people out in the field and to enable provide them with better, not only better tools and services and more bandwidth and lower latency, but to be able to do more analytics at the edge. So they're able to make more intelligent decisions very, very quickly, complemented and supported by AI, which may be running, uh, on, you know, in, in a cell tower or something along that on a compute platform, a virtualized compute platform out there. I think all those things are, are, are potentially um, uh, viable, and 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 you know I, IoT devices being used by more and more of us for for identity and, and other purposes. I, I could see, you know, uh, envision, you know, uh, reduction in fraud because facial recognition and other biometrics may be combined at the point of sale or when you and I engage in AT. Yeah. Uh, and, and and just the, the, the power and the, the, the capability and the low latency that 5G is going to bring to the table, I think, is, is just going to be phenomenal. And I think we're at the early stages of really shaping that. You know, we have some fi uh, financial institution companies that are, you know, really exploring the technology, uh, learning more, beginning to do 
uh, proof of concepts, and it's going to be those financial institutions that are really going to shape and define how 5G is going to work and 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 uh, and enhance the consumer experience as well as provide more operational efficiency. I imagine, uh, without uh, being too cheeky, that the financial services industry sector is uh, better funded, if you'll pardon the pun, than most industries to, uh, I guess, you know, enjoy the opportunity to build labs, build test cases, run these scenarios and, and look at what's going to disrupt them. You must have a deluge of existing clients as well as new and emerging clients coming to you now uh, asking for a range of, of help. Uh, what are some of the, the, the bigger areas you're seeing? I mean, we've talked about some of the foundational shift in traditional IT systems and some of the digital transformation challenges and priorities in their financial services platforms. Uh, and, and now just uh, some of the insight you shared around where 5G is going. Um, are there any particular areas that you're seeing now where, where existing clients in particular are coming and saying, look, we just want to stay as a bank. We just want to keep being a bank. And uh, there's a lot of pressure to become an IT shop that does banking. We really want to stay... Uh, in the business of being a bank or a financial services provider, insurance provider, or whatever the case may be, we don't want to become an IT shop and there's a lot of big challenges. Uh, can you help us? Uh, is this a resounding thing you're seeing now? Because it's my general sense that, you know, not just your team in financial solutions, but I certainly know it's the same, the same in retail and health and other big emerging areas that organizations are coming to the likes of at t Business saying, we want to stay true to our course, we want to stay in our industry, but there's a lot of pressure on us. I imagine that's the case with financial services. They're coming to you saying, we just want to stay in our space. We want to be the best at what we're doing now. We don't really want to be the best in security and networking and 5G and some of the cloud capabilities. Are these conversations that are coming up now where people are just saying, help, we, we, we want help in the best way. We want the best tools, the best people, the best platforms, but we don't have to, want to have to build them and invent them ourselves. Can, can AT&T Business help us get down that path? We are seeing that with financial institutions. And as you referenced, you know, we're seeing it across multiple multiple industries. Uh, I do think that it, it's beneficial for uh, financial institutions or, or, or other industries to stay true to their core. And in order to do so, they're going to select, hopefully us, but they'll select uh, technology providers that provide multiple assets and multiple service to be able to integrate those assets. And we're fortunate to be one and be a large one and be able to do it at scale. So I think that that um, they do they do look to us to be able to help them uh, in that realm and, and be able to bring a suite of capabilities that help them across their integrated business ecosystem. And, and for companies that can do that and can do that at scale, um, you know, we can take certain things off of their plate and hopefully make their uh, their business lives a little easier. There's a lot of challenges facing these uh, players in this space. I mean, you've got, as we talked before, multiple generations. I mean, particularly we've got, you know, there's a lot of hype about millennials and then Gen Zs coming along the line. Um, and, and they've completely transformed the way they want to deal with people from a consumer experience. And, and the front end, they're happy to talking to, you know, online systems and they've grown up as cloud natives and they've, they've never not had a smartphone and the internet in their hand. So they're often happy to talk to chatbots. But the other end of the spectrum we talked about going and, you know, in my case, going to a physical bank, get a replacement card when I probably could have done it online or, or, or do it, you know, um, via phone. Um, some of the technologies that I now see coming out of AT&T, particularly in your space, uh, you know, I, I monitor what your guys are up to closely and, and reading the latest. Uh, I noticed there was a, an example of where IoT is being used in insurance recently uh, uh, on a PC, a website around the financial services uh, 
portal for AT&T business. And uh, the list of things that the IT capabilities brought to some of this space, particularly insurance, I think it was, where they were talking about insuring millennials and, and uh, the, the speed at which they could make things uh, possible as far as launching things and taking to the market, bringing chatbots to, to consumers and making that available so they can chat in various formats, uh, where machine learning and artificial intelligence was applied to some of that and, and looking at the, the, the historical data they had on the clients and, and you know, helping the client make smart decisions because we can't always remember everything we've done transactionally with the organization, but they can and machine learning can help us re- remember that and make decisions on that as in, you know, remember you had, you've got this other car you forgot about, you're insuring this one, you know, do you want to get a two-for-one deal? Um, and then, you know, potentially the challenge of insuring self-driving cars where the car can actually report and say, I've just had an accident and uh, I need to be insured. Um, I mean, this must be breathtaking for some of this, the, the industry players you're dealing with. Uh, where do you think they're at on the maturity curve? Do you think, I mean, some of these transitional shifts we've been talking about are, are, are foundational and they are groundbreaking and exciting, but they, it must be exhausting for them. I mean, I imagine they come to you uh, kind of looking a little exacerbated, saying, you know, that there's so many changes and the pace at which they're happening so fast and they're so broad. Um, do you get the sense that the industry is ready for this? And, and um, you know, where do you see the industry in the maturity curve? Uh, I mean, financial services has often been known as a slow mover because change equals risk and risk, and as you said, with things like data breaches and impact to our lifestyle and lies in general with, with uh, you know, control of our money or insurance or wealth management. Um, is there a general sense that you have on, on the readiness of the industry and the maturity industry? Are they ready to tackle this? Uh, are people moving now? Because we've seen some examples, but as a whole... What's your general sense of where the industry is at, uh, given that, again, you're talking to most of the bigger players in this space? I think that I think that we're seeing innovation across the full spectrum. Uh, you know, some of the, the larger financial institutions are the ones that, uh, you know, have have invested in their their own innovation centers and are bringing in a multitude of their own partners to 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 in, innovate together to be able to, you know, it's not just, I think, I think that, that what you pointed to is technology is enabling all this to happen, but all the scenarios you described with IOT devices and, and, and more chatbots and things like that, it, it's, um, it, it really is leading to changes in business models. Uh, and, and so I can envision in the future, like, uh, you know, I, I may only want to pay for, you know, my insurance policy for how I actually use my different vehicles. You know, if there's a vehicle that stays in the garage most of the time, I shouldn't pay the same rate, right? Or I may not want to as a consumer to pay the same rate for that vehicle versus one that I'm driving into downtown every day. And so I think we're going to see uh, an evolution to a more personalized experience uh, over time and a, a broader array of financial services I do believe that companies of all sizes in finance are are eager to innovate, and and again, you know, we'll, we'll go back to we they have to do so with caution, um, but but the you know the technology is maturing so quickly, uh, use of robo advisors, artificial intelligence in general, the IoT devices, and how analytics can be gathered from those and utilized, and then you you know you got 5G coming in now. And so I think all of that's like the perfect scenario to really spawn the next generation of financial solutions. And so I, I see a lot of eagerness from the financial institutions, uh, a, a lot of interest, and and 
uh, a lot of engagement in, in that space. Well, they're certainly in good hands. I know uh, when I last looked at your portal, uh, I was reminded by the fact that, uh, you know, in your world as GM and FSI for AT&T Business, you've got a broad remit. But as an organization, whether it's cybersecurity services and certainly now with the recent acquisition of Alien Vault, mobility, mo- enterprise mobility, Wi-Fi, internet and general networking, voice and collaboration and cloud and IoT and a whole range of other services are things that you can bring to the table uh, above and beyond uh, what you already do around financial solutions uh, capabilities. So I think they're in good hands. Now, before we wrap up, I often ask my guests to uh, do a little bit of crystal ball gazing. So uh, I wonder if we can close up on, uh, if I hand you a virtual crystal ball and say, Renee, gaze into this for a moment and uh, share with us a sense of what you see coming over the horizon in sort of the next uh, three to five years. What are some of the biggest shifts you think are going to take place, not so much just purely in financial solutions, but as a whole in this, this industry and, and where the world's going. I mean, you're better positioned than most in the world to see where this is going, particularly FSI. What's your general sense of where we're going to be in so the next three to five years in this, this massive behemoth space that, that we all count on every day in financial solutions, um, particularly in the remit you've got uh, as GM in, in AT&T Business for the financial solutions industry? Well, I see a continued incorporation of artificial intelligence for helping consumers and improving business processes. I I see an increased use of IoT. You actually hit on one of the things that was uh, uh, that that fits into this question very well. Uh, You know, think of drones and uh, IoT devices being used to change business models, drones perhaps being used to assess damage through uh, imagery. you know, powered by 5G and to be able to do so where, you know, if, if you or I had some damage to our home or a vehicle, you know, it, it may be able to be assessed remotely, um, potentially down the road. And that means you and I don't have to leave work and do other things like that. Uh, you know, apps with, which you incorporate, um, you know, imagery and so videos and images can be captured and damage can not only be assessed, but, but claims can be provided in a very accurate manner, more than they're able to do today. I think uh, ARVR is going to play a big role in in the future. You know, not only with um, uh, utilizing it to, uh, uh, you know, for for something like portfolio assessment, where someone can actually see all all of your portfolio just with multiple screens and be able to provide you better assistance remotely, but to these field workers that are out there doing assessments of. Uh, you know, meeting with you virtually and are meeting with you and you need a virtual SME to be pulled in rather quickly to help you with a very specific question that, that you may have. I could see that. I could see it being used for field appraisers as well. And uh, uh, more untethered services. Uh, you know, we talked about the mobile financial center, uh, you know, just just the use of, of IOT and mobile and mobile financial centers. I think I think in general mobility is going to be there's going to be more and more transactions, even complex transactions that are going to be able to be handled uh, mobily. And and then all of this needs to be incorporated where we still have a trusting relationship with our financial institution. So I think I think the future is bright. It, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting. It, it's a little challenging to predict. Uh, but there's so many different possibilities. You know, you, you, we touched on, you know, the, uh, you know how technology can help reduce fraud. 
you know, and, and things like that. And so I, I think the, the best is yet to come, but I think the table set with a lot of the technologies that some of which are in, in early stages and, and others that are maturing and will be, you know, like, like artificial intelligence, when you come able to combine something like that with a 5G and do, and, and do, you know, more capabilities there, AR, VR, uh, combined with 5G, I, I think it, it's just going to be um, a, a lot of fun, and we hope to be able to innovate with our, our, our customers and, and, and help shape the future in finance. You know, the thing that really jumped out at me was uh, I loved hearing you say that the future is bright. Uh, I've got a 17-year-old daughter who's about to turn 18, and a 14-year-old son's about to turn 15. And the, the one thing I hope for them is, as you just said, the future is bright. So I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head in that one. Well, Renee, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for making time to catch up with me and jump on the show. And I love the insights you've shared across some of the biggest topics that we're seeing out uh, both in the uh, industry through media channels and trends and also coming from the customers and consumers and so forth that uh, you know there are a lot of big challenges ahead of us but they they sound exciting and fun and as you just said the future is indeed bright des thank you so much again for this opportunity and and i hope to be able to speak with you again soon we will definitely have you back on the show thanks for your time it's been absolutely great to catch up with you and folks we'll leave it there thanks for joining us if you do have time uh make sure you jump on uh, if everyone's listening uh Jump on the uh, AT&T Business website and just search for uh, AT&T Business Financial Services, Financial Solutions, and uh, you'll find a whole range of amazing stuff there on their portal. Renee, really appreciate it. Have a fantastic evening, and we will definitely have you on the show again. Thank you.